Thanks for tuning into the Murphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, a.k.a. Murph, and I am here to give tips and information about group bicycling and bicycle touring with a focus on the Midwest and hopefully provide some entertainment for you as well. Well, with me today is Devin Cowens. Hey, Devin, how are you? Hey, Kathy, I'm well. How are you doing? Good. I follow you, Devin, on Instagram, and I've got three words for you. Events tours and adventure you have a great instagram account oh thank you yeah. i really appreciate that i'm gonna i'm gonna take that from you yeah. um, it, it's <laughs> awesome myself the future thank you yeah yeah it's awesome just to see you know what you're doing as far as adventures and you know like most of us we don't instagram when we're sitting on the couch or you know working but you look like you have a lot of adventures very active i, re- I recognize recently like oh i'm not home that often but um it's Keeps it fun and interesting, though. I nap a lot. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, well, uh, why don't you start out by giving the listeners an idea of where you're located and what the bike culture is like there? Yeah. So, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I've been here for about four years now. Um, and I would say it's a car city for sure. Mm. Um, you know, when I moved here, um, Atlanta talked about creating a bike share program and putting, you know, 500 bikes in downtown Atlanta by the end of 2017 or something like that. And I thought it would never happen, but it did. Oh, it did happen. And so, yeah. And so um, what we have now is I would say, you know, a bike culture that is alive and well and strong and mighty. Um, You know, I interface with a number of different bike groups um, here, both folks who can meet to work on a daily basis, both, uh, group rides, regular group rides. Um, and then also we've got a great trail network in Georgia, actually. So it's easy to, you know, pop out of the city, not too far and, um, ride trails. And we've also got, um, Silver Comet Trail and, um, Atlanta Beltline, which is kind of a interconnected trail throughout the city, walking, scooters, biking, that kind of thing. Um, not fully complete yet, but I think the plan is for about 32 miles. So definitely a, a community that's strong, I would say, you know, if you live in a town and you have a bike community, that means it's small, right? right. Versus when you go to somewhere like Portland and it's just a bike city. Right. So um, it is, you know, car centric, but there's a lot of um, strength and power um, in the community and things are changing. And I've been able to witness that change and it's been really cool. That's great. And, you know, my, I don't think I've ever been to Atlanta, Georgia, but in my brain it's a very big city so it's nice to hear that there are actually bike commuters and that they somehow can make it to work uh, safely and and want to do it again and again yeah and it's actually um you know atlanta's into the airport and coca-cola and the aquarium because mm. we have whale sharks but not a lot of people get into the neighborhoods and really experience it and so i love kind of taking people through that when they visit mm-hmm. um and recently a good friend of mine um started putting together a spreadsheet of all the bike rides in town. And now she's turned that into a website and it seems to be an app. You can basically go on there and say, okay, I want to do X amount of miles to stay a week. What rides exist? It's a really great resource for folks who are new to town or folks who are new to biking who want to kind of learn about what's going on and, you know, interface with the community at a level that suits them. Yeah. That's, that's a good friend to have. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Well, when you look at um, bicycling, you know, most people that I interview say they had a bike when they were a kid and then they kind of phased out of bicycling. And then maybe in college they had to have a bike for transportation. And then somehow 
you know, just like me or you, you get back into biking and it becomes a major part of your life. So how did you get into bicycling as an adult? Yeah, it's so interesting you say that. I think that's like the bike, the biker story, right? Yeah. Of like childhood memory. And then it's like, no, tell me about it in adulthood, right? So um, there, there is that story, I think, for most of the people that I know, too. But um, so I um, started biking in 2010, I think. Um, I was actually doing AmeriCorps um, with Habitat for Humanity in Washington, D.C., and um, needed to get around. Um, mm-hmm. Started doing um, the bike show there, and then at the same time, my brother who lives in Chicago, um, was a bike messenger. And so he built me a single speed bike. I flew to Chicago, picked it up, um, put it on the plane and then, you know, put it together quickly and then biked home from the airport. Um, so (laughs) it was really a way to get around, um, cheaply. Um, I did AmeriCorps, so I didn't make that much money. Um, and it essentially, um, became a thing. So, uh, I named the bike and everything, and now I name my bikes. But that's another story for another day. But um, yeah, so that was that was about I guess almost ten years ago now. Yeah, um, but I rode bikes growing up, you know. But yeah, sure. And the big question is, do you still have that single speed? So um, I don't actually. I ended up, um, I guess, May eleventh of twenty eighteen. I um, got in a self-contained accident. It was just a kind of a freak malfunction Um, Mm -hmm. but I saved the wheel and um, the crank and some of the other parts and um, have repurposed them to a fixed gear bike oh very good the bike exists in in other the spirit still lives on in other I was gonna say the memory lives on the spirit yeah exactly (laughs) what is it about cycling that you enjoy like is it the fitness is it the fun is it the social aspect yeah so um you know I think the fitness thing is more of a tertiary thing you know it's great to like have that be how I get around and it happens to benefit me health-wise but really it's the feeling that I get the freedom and the power uh the space of like getting somewhere on my own completely like relying on no one I'm in total control of that and the recognition of um you know being this able-bodied privileged person who can get from point A to point B on this tool which allows so many other things in my life I think Community is a big part of it, too. Um, I moved to Atlanta, like I said, four years ago and was really um, in, a, in a place in life where I was making some transitions and I really leaned into the bike community and um, it has had returns tenfold. Um, I cannot really put into words how much biking has changed my life, but um, it's, you know, there's a feeling of freedom and, and being able to, being able to ride my bike, right? That, that is a privilege. And then... Um, I've met a lot of friends through that community as well. Um, and I'm sure this will come up later in our conversation, but um, being able to provide that opportunity for other people. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, the fitness piece is great. And, you know, I don't go to the gym as much as I should, but it's nice because I bike everywhere. So, yeah, um, yeah so it's it's the combination of things. But um, it's it's really, you know, really powerful for me to be able to ride my bike. So well said. And it reminds me, um, I, I have dabbled and I do dabble a little bit in running. I guess running's not the right word, maybe like jogging or walking because I don't, I'm not a runner. Right. And people always yeah. say, you know, oh, when you finish that first marathon, you're going to have that runner's high and it's going to be amazing. And 
I still have yet to experience a runner's high. (laughs) But when I'm on my bike, I experience it almost every ride where you're just like, I'm free. I can do what I want. I got myself here with my own body. So you're right. It's very empowering. So well said. I experience that on the the downhill. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. running, not, I just haven't found it. I know it exists. Yeah. I know it exists, but I just haven't found it. So, um, right. well, this podcast is, you know, meant to be about uh, group bicycling and touring and just like the joy that it brings people. Um, so I'm a huge fan of group bicycle riding. And from what I see on your Instagram, I think that you are too. So mm-hmm. like define, you know, maybe what group bicycling means to you. Yeah, so I think group riding can be great because it allows um, for a number of things. First, I would say um, folks who are newer to build some confidence in terms of getting around mm-hmm. by bike. And I think it can be, you know, safety in numbers is a real thing. Um, I think that's important. I think, you know, that confidence comes with empowerment. And so being able to say, you know, I'm with these people that, you know, know what they're doing. I'm learning and you can really build that up in order to, I think, right on your own in the future if that's something that you haven't done before. Um, and I think it's group writing is um, a, meme, a meeting of friends for me, you yeah. know? Um, so it's a way to hang out with people, chat, catch up, um, and also get in some physical activity, get in some miles. Um, and often there's, you know, an iced coffee stop or a beer stop um, right. along the way. So that's, so that always helps, um, but for me, I think it's really, um, it, it's become a social thing, but, uh, mm-hmm. allowing to, allowing new writers to build, to build confidence, um, through group writing is something I, I really aim, um, in, in the rides that I lead, but, um, like to do that for other folks. So I do a lot of group rides here in Atlanta and, you know, I see a lot of my friends, but then also try and make a point to meet new people and kind of learn people's bike story and kind of their experience and, provide whatever assistance I can, you know, as far as, uh, them learning. And then I would say also, um, sometimes group rides can be challenging for mm-hmm. me as an experienced writer, but to, you know, um, to learn, uh, to get faster, or stronger, right? So if I ride with yeah. folks who are faster than me on rides that are more challenging, it builds my skill sets. Um, and I'm always trying to <laughs> get a little faster, a little stronger. So, yeah. um, it can be beneficial in, in multiple ways. Yeah, I lead a group ride uh, weekly, um, and we try to ride year-round, but I'm located in Iowa, so there are definitely some weeks where, you know, it's below zero, and we do more of the beer stop than the bike ride, but um, when it's in its prime, you know, if you've got the same people that bike every week, it's a well-oiled machine as far as group riding. You know, everyone kind of has their favorite a spot within the group to ride, whether it's mm-hmm. the back or the front, and everyone knows the commands and knows when we're slowing or stopping. But the best part is when somebody new joins, and then you have to kind of take them under your wing and like, so here's what happens, and it right. never fails. You'll get to you know your your stopping point or a break, and somebody who's been around forever will be like, hey, you got to talk to this person because they're doing this wrong. And it's so nice to be able to approach somebody, teach them something new, and then watch them change. And then oh, they absolutely. become they come become part of the group and they gain the confidence like you mentioned earlier. It's just I love it. Yeah, no, I absolutely can agree more with that. Um 
it is a space where I think the bike can be a tool for a number of things. And so group riding really allows for folks to, um, I think sports in general, but allows for folks to um, experience a number of like emotions and skills up and all sorts of things. And so it's, it's really fun to sort of, um, to, to interact with that process. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I noticed on your Instagram account is that you attended the recent uh, bike packing summit and yeah. I'm super intrigued by it. And I was wondering if you could take a few minutes to kind of say, you know, what it is, what did you do? Did you, did you learn new things? Like, what was it like? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I had the privilege to attend that. Um, and the bike packing summit, I believe it's in its third year now. And, um, the first years it was in Colorado and this year it was here in Georgia, um, in LJ at a place called Mulberry Gap. Mulberry Gap is a, I think the full name is Mulberry Gap Mountain Bike Getaway, but it's mm. essentially a, um, retreat camping area where folks can come and stay for the weekend and ride a number of trails with oh, Google okay. track and gravel. Um, and so the bike packing summit is put on by Lindsay Neal Belchenko, um, and they partnered with Mulberry Gap, that's run by um, Kate and Andrew Gates. And um, essentially, it's a time for folks in the community to come together and learn about bikepacking, network, do some riding, and really just um, share best practices and skill sets. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was really awesome to go because um, I do manage this group here um, uh, bike packing group here and I'm always looking to just, you know, build my competencies and competencies and skill sets. Um, and so it was, uh, Friday to Saturday. Um, and then they had a Thursday optional overnight, um, camping bike ride. Mm. Um, and then had a number of different panels. So started with the panel or excuse me, presentations or sessions. So a number of great presenters. There were sessions on wilderness first aid for, uh, bike packers. We had a session on solo touring and inclusivity in the bike industry, a session on route planning and mapping. Mm. There was a session on overcoming fear, which was really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, a session on an alcohol stove, a penny stove um, with beer cans, which was really great. Mm. Um, and then we had um, a couple of sessions where we, uh, Lael Wilcox, who was um, a competitive endurance racer um shared her kind of best practices on bike packing and then um her partner shared um some photos from uh, the silk road mountain race which um whale competed in and got second place and then there was also a session on um creating your own bike packing community which was really cool and then a session on the eastern divide trail which is going to be uh since it'll be the longest bikepacking trail, 4,700 miles. The Eastern Divide Trail uh, will be from, that's New, New Finland, Newfoundland, Finland, um, to down to Florida. And so you can, you know, bike on single track and gravel and off-road along the East Coast, which is really cool. Um, and so we also had an opportunity to do some rides with the folks there, with the group. Um, and I think that it was just a really great time for me to engage with a number of new people, folks I'd heard of, but didn't know really, you know, I sort of am re-energized by the importance of community. Um, and I, I feel like I come back to community and healing when I talk about biking often, mm-hmm. um, but it's just a, it's been a space that has really, um, given so much to me. 
um, and uh, just learned a lot about bike packing itself, but also met a ton of people, shared best practices, um, and just, you know, nerded out, honestly, <laughs> on a lot of stuff, <laughs> um, which was cool. And um, I think that during that event, someone made a comment about how years ago, you know, with bird watching, for example, you do this bird watching and it's like, oh, you can't tell anyone where these spots are because it's a secret. Mm-hmm. But with bikepacking, it's like someone goes around and, you know, the community is just ready to share and yeah. make things better for everyone. And so it is really nice to to be a part of that community and learn a lot. But, you know, we also acknowledge the, the barriers to access, uh, barriers to entry for something like this. And so saying, you know, the community is alive and well and it's great, but, you know, what are we doing to bring new folks into this community to bring women to being to bring folks of color into this community and um, that's a conversation I'm always having but um, nice to see that there are other folks who are in that community thinking through those things as well so it was really fun uh, really fun and just you know camping it was not hot at night which was lovely uh, in Georgia in October so um, yeah. yeah it was really cool and having you know the speakers or you know the, the actual uh, summit stuff is awesome. And like you said, you can geek out on that. But then being able to meet people and, you know, even casual stories can sometimes get you so pumped up about something. Like, oh, yeah. oh, my gosh, I need to do that. Or I need to go there. And yeah. And I, I think, too, sort of you know, it's, you know, you start with the kind of like you're over the fire, or maybe having a beer and someone's like, what's your bike story? And it kind of goes from there. And I just love that. Um, and you can really uh, connect mm-hmm. with people in these different ways. And I think, too, one thing I've learned in the bike community is, like, you know, I have all these bike friends. I don't really know what they do for work. It doesn't matter. You know, and our society is so big on, like, what do you do? You know, how can you help me kind of thing? And I love that with biking, it's like, you know, some people might look at you because of the bike you have, right? But there's this space of, like, let's just get to know each other in this way that's, like, you know, we're not talking about degrees, education, work. This is just, like, talk about life and experiences. And it does allow you to engage with folks on a different level that I think Maybe some other things don't, um, and that is really, really cool. Um, it kind of can hopefully strip away some of those um, preconceived notions of, like, what people should be doing with their life, you know? Yeah, so true. Well, while you're sitting on the, around the fire and talking about your bike story, um, do you have any, like, well, I know you do, but tell us about some, like, bike riding adventures you've done, like, places you've gone uh, besides the bike packing summit. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't done a ton. Um, I guess my first bike packing gym was actually a year ago. Um, but I guess I'm kind of a, my day job, I'm an event planner. So no shortage of like, you know, planning my life either. So, um, went on a trip and it, it was awesome. And I was like, I want to do this all the time more. Um, and so, um, I've done about, uh, three to four overnights here in, in Georgia, um, outside mm-hmm. of Atlanta. And then, um, I did a lovely trip um, to Oregon, uh, excuse me, to Montana in July, which was, um, again, life-altering. Um, Five-day trip um, started in Missoula, but the goal of the trip was to visit the Garden of a Thousand Buddhas in Arleigh, Montana. Mm. Um, and so that was mm. super fun and, um, you know, physical, mental, emotional challenge, um, which I am grateful for, but at the time, you know, wouldn't have asked for um, in the moment. And then I did a trip to Oregon 
to the WTF Bike Explorer Summit um, outside of Portland. It was really fun. Um, and then I've got a few other trips planned in Georgia for this year. Um, and then trying out Cuba in February. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, so just, I mean, I guess I've done six trips now, six, well, mm-hmm. six or seven. The one thing I've learned about or have noted about biking is, you know, you get in and you feel like a beginner and then you quickly aren't, you know? Um, and I love that mm-hmm. because it's like, you kind of go in with these feelings of like, I don't know what I'm doing and in whatever capacity, whether that being learning about gears or like how to pack your bike or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really just been a year of me bike packing. I've been biking for many years, of course, but, um, and I feel mm-hmm. like I've gained a wealth of knowledge in a short amount of time. And I think that's had to do with the people I've met and the things that have been shared. So that's been really special. Yeah. And there's always somebody that knows more than you, right? which you know, I don't take it as a negative. I take it as a, oh, I didn't know that. Thank right. you so much for teaching me, whatever it might be. So Yeah, and I've had these times where people, you know, where I was go, oh, I don't want to be the slowest. Oh, I feel bad you're waiting on me. And every time someone has said, I, there's always someone who's been, that, been in that position because someone has, you've always just started, right? So they were like, right. you know, I've been there before. It was years ago, but I've been there. Someone waited for me. And then you pay it forward, you know? So Yeah, oh, um, yeah. That was a really good reminder for me to not be worried about that. Right. Well, when you look at your bike, you know, getting getting it all packed up, do you carry any luxury items that, you know, like every bike ride, you're like, I've got to have it, whether it's a book or for me, I always carry a, a foldable chair. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I would say I um, always have a bike computer, which feels kind of intense, but mm-hmm. I didn't have one for many years. And then I had one and I'm like, how did I live without this? <laughs> um, uh, carry Oahu, which is lovely. Um, and then I also carry a book. I really like to read in my tent um, at night. Mm-hmm. And then I often like to have matching water bottles, which is just kind of weird. I don't know why. Um, it's the thing that <laughs> I like. But yeah, I would say the bike computer is kind of something my trusty, trusty speed. I, um, full disclosure, don't read maps really well. Uh, um, yeah. So if I can load something onto the bike computer prior, too, that's the game changer. And then also a portable charger. Go wrong with that. Can't leave without that. And then I always bring actually a pen and a journal. I like to write oh, out my yeah. thoughts. Um, that's a big one. And then if I'm with people, I like to bring cards, a deck of cards. Um, yeah, I, I always have a, a set of Uno cards because, you know, everybody knows how to play Uno. <laughs> See, Uno Uno is actually better. <laughs> I need to upgrade. Yeah, because sometimes, yeah, I've actually been on a bike packing trip and something like who has you know and I'm like ah and then I also always bring a koozie a couple of koozies I like to have sure you know beer too when I'm camping so yeah, yeah. always bring a couple of koozies you know I, I guess in the grand scheme of things those aren't necessarily like luxury items but when you only have so much yes. space they do they do right. turn into luxury yeah. items like you know yeah. pa- figuring out where to pack a book you know, sometimes you're like, I know it's always uh, a different configuration yeah, too. But, but you're like, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like it's, you can drill down the packing so much. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point it's like, okay, this is just what I'm going to have. Yeah. So, and you're like, yeah, I've got to have room for the book. So I guess I do not need four pairs of socks for a two day event. Like, you know, right. Yeah. No, I, I, I do that all the time. I like stuff everything that's inside and I'm like, okay, dial it back. <laughs> yeah. But you got to keep the Uno cards, you know? Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. You know, that we talked about the bike 
uh, bike packing summit, and then you also lead some um, groups around your uh, town of Atlanta. But you're part of some pretty other powerful groups. Um, do you want to tell us about a few of them and kind of what your role is or how you uh, connected biking with them? Yeah, so um, I I decided to launch an Atlanta chapter of WTF Bike Explorers. Mm -hmm. And so I mentioned that earlier, but essentially that is um, a bike packing group for folks who identify as women, trans, femme, or Mm non-binary. So essentially the group is for um, folks who do not identify as a cis male. And so, um, which cis meaning born male. Born male identifying as male, excuse me. And so I launched that, I guess, earlier this year. Um, that organization exists in other cities because uh, we talked, we interviewed Kaylee uh, Kornhauser a while back and she also mentioned it. So is that true that it's like chapters? Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So they started initially in the Pacific Northwest and then I believe Kaylee is based in Seattle mm. or yeah. maybe Portland. But I believe it started in Portland, and then there's kind of a Seattle group convening. There's a group convening in Mid-Atlantic, which is out of Baltimore. Group convenings in Minneapolis, New York, I think under different sort of names, but mm-hmm. all like the WTF sort of bike packing mm-hmm. um, language. And I just sort of was like, oh, I'm not creative, so I'll just add ATL at the end because it's, you know, Perfect. catchy. <laughs> um, and so essentially, I think what, what I the goal in that was I wanted to create a space for folks who wanted to get into biking and bike and bike packing, but wanted to eliminate barriers to that. I think I sure. recognize that I am um, a woman, brown person, um, a queer person, and even within those identifications, I still have privilege. And so, acknowledging that if I wanted to buy a bike, I would buy a bike. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. But that's not always sort of the the same for everyone. The, mm-hmm. the access is different. And so I did I wanted to start this chapter. Um, and I was creating that space of a group of folks I could ride with that weren't cis men. And so um, essentially what we do now is a monthly beginner group ride, um, a monthly uh, open shop, which is essentially at the bike co-op. The folks can come in and work on their bikes. Mm-hmm. And then a um, monthly happy hour. We partner with one of the breweries in town to um, offer this kind of beer once a month. And then we have done a number of different sessions, a route planning session, bike packing session, um, working on, we've just rolled out a maintenance class with REI mm-hmm. to do, um, for like women, trans, femme, non-binary folks. So all of these events are women, trans, femme, non-binary only. Mm-hmm. But essentially um, the, the goal is to, have someone say, you know, interested in doing this stuff, but I don't know how to, I don't have the bridge to get there. Right. And I want to be able to provide that. So someone comes to us without a bike, we'll find them a bike. Someone comes to us, wants to try a trip, but doesn't have the gear, we'll find the gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in addition to that, also creating a safe space for folks who are like, you know, I know how to ride my bike, but I'm not as well-versed in gears. Or I want to do longer bike rides, but I don't have someone to ride with. So really trying to say, you know, you don't have to be a bike packer to be in the group. You don't have to be a biker to be in the group. You just have to have an interest. Um, and so really just um, wanting to connect to people on, on those various levels. Um, and so it's relatively new, still working on some partnerships and also um, working on getting the word out about the group so that folks know that we exist. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have an Instagram and a Facebook, of course, but working on getting a website and having, you know, like, and then I have a newsletter, but having something, a website where people can come to and see the events kind of further out in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and then working on a larger scale event for next year, that's kind of like a, a weekend trip of sessions, bike rides, whatever um, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so I, I do that in my free time. And then I also have the opportunity to work with a group called Civil Bikes. Um, a good friend of mine, Nedra, runs that. And Civil Bikes essentially brings attention to the unseen and unheard stories about Atlanta and the people of Atlanta. Oh, okay. And so bike, tier, bike tours that focus on um, sharing the stories of Atlanta's history, the stories that have not been, been shared. And so that's a great opportunity to... Um, take people through Atlanta, which is so rich with history, mm-hmm. um, and share these stories that maybe they haven't heard of, share stories about race and um, how the city came to be um, and, and what that means, what that meant then, what it means now. And so we have this opportunity to engage with folks on the bike, but have these hard, real, important conversations. Um, mm-hmm. And that's um, something I'm doing on a regular basis in terms of having those conversations, but doing the bike tours through civil bikes has been um, been really cool a great way to for me to blend my interest in history of Atlanta black history with something that I love so much like biking yeah and both of those organizations are extremely important and you know obviously you have a lot of passion for them but to be able to connect your passion with bicycling so you've got a passion with a passion is pretty amazing yeah it's a lot of fun so yeah it's it's a a great, I feel very, I feel very privileged and I keep using that word, but I feel very lucky to to have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And and hopefully you have a lot of success, um, especially with the first organization as you get going and, you know, it only takes one cyclist, you know, to watch their confidence build to feel success, but then you're going to, you know, if you have like dozens of uh, cyclists who gained confidence and before you know it they went from no bike to taking a weekend trip with your group gosh that's going to be awesome I think I need to have you back on in a year and you'll, you'll tell me <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy anytime yeah. <laughs> someone new comes to this space I'm like how did you hear about us tell me everything you know because sure I don't know how people are being reached you know I've got I've got a newsletter which I sort of just like pulled some emails of people I knew in Atlanta, added them and was like, sure, this is your friend, you know, if you have it. And then I do Facebook and Instagram, but I'm a millennial in age, not in skill set. And so I can't exactly, um, I don't know, like how to look at Facebook analytics and see who's watching what or whatever. So I'm just sort of a trial and error there. But yeah, it's, it's been really cool to, to, to meet people and have that one-on-one. And then, you know, I often ask people, you know, what do you want from this space? What are you interested in? You know, sure. so I've got some work to do as far as reaching more people, um, but it is it is really um, cool to see that was craving this space and other people were too. Yeah, and super rewarding all the way around. Yeah. Well, how do you see? I, I'm pretty sure I already know the answer, but how do you see bicycling continuing to fit into your future? Yeah, you know, I think as long as I'm able-bodied, I will always be biking. Um, I mentioned this before, but the organization I work for is. Um, the East Coast Greenway Alliance, and we are um, advocating for a trail from Maine to Key West, Florida, and so mm-hmm. um, 3,000 miles, and so I'm the summit and event specialist for them, and so essentially I plan our annual conference, or excuse me, our regional conferences, and then also plan our bike rides, and so, you know, 
I've got the work <laughs> work bike thing, mm-hmm. which is which is great, and I'll do for as long as I can. Um, and then I am sort of um, working on some other things, continuing to flesh out this group, and then uh, some longer bike trips if I can. So, like I mentioned, that trip to Cuba, and then we do some more um, larger trips in other areas um, mm-hmm. and and trails, and then possibly gravel racing, something I've looked into. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and then doing some some supported bike races, um, nothing too intense, but um, trying out a a bike race called Fried Clay that's a, a 200 kilometers and you do it in two days and support yourself kind of thing. Um, so a lot of that, and it's been I think um, you know bikes. I do bikes because I enjoy bikes, right? But mm-hmm. it's allowed me to tap into this sort of mental. Uh, mental strength, emotional strength that um, I, you know, you don't, we don't always get from day to day of like work. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I've enjoyed watching, uh, enjoyed learning, you know, what my, what I'm capable of, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and so through different bike challenges, I've been able to develop like mental strength, emotional strength, physical strength, but also, you know, mar- meditate on, you know, what that means for me, um, how it can develop and grow in the future. Um, and so I think that with time, we'll kind of see, you know, follow that journey of what more I can learn on the bike. I, I think um, I've thought about in a volunteer capacity teaching um, young women of color bike skills and providing, um, passing along the skills that I know to folks who are younger than me, because I think, like, as you said in the beginning of the podcast, you know, people bike when they're young and then they forget about yeah, it, right? Yeah. Or they come back to it kind of thing. Right. But would love to be able to, um, in a volunteer space, teach young women of color um, about bikes and get them excited about it um, in a way that I was in my 20s. Yeah. Just got to start them early. I was going to say, you definitely have the energy and the excitement, you know, within yourself. And it's just a matter of reaching out to the right people or the people that don't even know that, you know, they haven't been on a bike for a while and they have no idea of the, like, I don't know, the release you get when you bike. And plus, like what you said, just the, you know, the mental and physical side of it that is, I don't know, empowering might not be the right word, but it sure feels great to be on a bike. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Devin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed learning about what you do and, you know, back to how we started this. Like you are full of events, tours, and adventure. And I'm excited to keep following you on Instagram and, you know, maybe have you on the show again after you get your, um, your one group, you know, up and running and full of, I don't know, adventure with them. Yeah, no, I would love to, love to check back in in a year and see where I am. And thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I feel honored and privileged to, that you thought to reach out and I'm happy to, to share as much as I can, whenever I can. So I appreciate it. Awesome. And if anybody wants to follow you on Instagram, do you want to give uh, your account out or no? Yeah, no, absolutely. So on Instagram personally, I am um, D-E-V, so like dev um, underscore R-O-X. Um, kind of came together very randomly um, in college, which is, I had a friend who was really into um, Star Trek, so we were doing things that ran with Fox. Anyway, um, so <laughs> uh, Dev Rocks, um, Dev underscore Rocks, and then um, 
for the bike packing group, it's WTF Bike Explorers, ATL. So Bike Explorers, just one E in the middle, not two. So I would love to um, have folks reach out um, and happy to chat with anyone. Yeah, super excited to um, to start the conversation. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Kathy. How about a touring tip? Let's talk ways to document your epic adventure. If you're like me, you thoroughly enjoy being in the moment, and you're just sure you're going to remember every moment of your bike tour. And then you get back into your normal routine, and a lot of those memories slide into a part of your brain you don't easily access. Then fast forward to when you meet up with somebody who was with you on that last tour, and you guys start reminiscing about all the fun you had. I can't tell you how many times I say, oh my, I forgot about that. Well, here are a bunch of ideas on how you can document your trip. Hopefully you can take a tip or two and use it on your next tour. So the obvious and easy way to document your trip is to take tons of photos. Whether it's with your phone or your camera, most likely both are digital, so there's no harm in taking extra pictures. Then when you have extra time, you can go through and delete photos that don't capture your special moments. Another way to document is to bring along a notebook and jot down notes or stories or names of people you meet. For me, instead of bringing along a notebook, I use the notes feature on my phone. I typically list out the towns I pass through, a short note about the terrain, and then any funny things that happened while it's still fresh in my mind. I enjoy going back and looking through it once I'm home. It also helps when I have someone asking me specific questions about my trip. I can say, just a second, let me look. It's a great resource for me. If you have extra downtime each day, like at lunch or at bedtime, and you enjoy writing, you could document your tour by starting a blog. Commit to adding a new blog daily or every other day and stick with it. You'll appreciate going back and reading it later. If you don't like writing, you could vlog. It's like blogging, but with video. Use your phone to record your video and then upload it to a platform like YouTube. Sending postcards is a good way to document where you go. Before mailing the postcard, take a picture of it so you can reread it later. Or you could always send the postcards to yourself. You'll arrive home with some really fun mail mixed in with all those bills. Documenting your every move on social media is common for many people, so maybe that's your preferred method. If you use Instagram, be sure to create a unique hashtag so all your tour pics end up together. And something fun you could do would be to take a picture of the same pose everywhere you go. Examples would be a shot of your bike in front of places or things, or the same shot of your feet kicked up while you relax, or even a picture of your food, or a picture of your coffee cup in various places. I have friends who do the dip in front of almost every place they go. I also have a friend who does his kickback photo of just his feet, but you can see in the background where he is. It's pretty cool. My last electronic idea for documenting is to use apps to check in, like Swarm or the app called Where Are You Now? Pretty fun, pretty easy. If by chance you're old school and like tangible items, start a collection while you're on your tour of items like newspaper clippings from the towns you visit, or ticket stubs from the bus, the train, or ticket stubs from events you go to. Anything flat you collect can be combined with your photos to make a great scrapbook once you are home. Add to it maps of where you were, and you'll have a great collection of memories to look back on. If it's music you're into, create playlists on Spotify or similar music apps and add music throughout your tour. 
Be sure to name it something that represents the trip. Every time you listen to it, you'll spark great memories. My last idea on documenting your trip is to have a community notebook that everyone in your group contributes to. Everyone can add funny quotes or funny things that happened throughout the day or list names of people you met along the way. Having everyone in your group add their perspective of the trip will make for some pretty good post-trip gatherings. So no matter how you choose to document your trip, do something. Months or years down the line, you will thank yourself. That's this week's touring tip. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and check out morphologypodcast.com to find all kinds of great info or email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I'm thankful for your time today and thanks for tuning in to listen to the Morphology Podcast. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from Albert Einstein. Everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing it's not capable of being smart. Think about it.